in Ponderland tonight, right? Tonight I'm pondering science and technology. Me, I'm not a technical sort of science person. Some people embrace it, don't they? Me, I don't, right? I sort of think, oh, science don't really affect my life, but it really does, right? Because, like, mobile phone, I'm totally dependent on my mobile phone, right? And, like, ain't that long ago, right, that we didn't have mobile phones. Like, eight years ago, not a generation ago, eight years ago, if you goes, oh, I'll meet you, I'll meet you outside WH Smith's. You just had to go there. You had to be there, right? And if you went there and the person you're supposed to meet didn't turn up, you had to just go home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's it, just stood there. But my whole life was like the end credits of the Hulk. Just walking off. Right, me, I like my mobile phone, but I only use it for like texts and calls, right? I don't use it for all the mental different functions that you can do. I do like to receive sexy photos. I do like that. But I resent sending sexy photos. So it's a bit of a one-way street. Because I think as a man, the sending of sexy photos, you're limited, aren't you? You've got two options, really, right? And I think... Sending a photograph of an erect penis is an overly aggressive act, right? Seems just as a bit much, isn't it? Have a look at that. Yeah, that's how I feel. Judge me on that information. Plus, it presents problems with scale. You can't tell how big it is, can you? I'm thinking of getting some tiny little 50p's made up. <laughs> is one option and flaccid you can't send a photograph to someone of a flaccid penis it just looks stupid don't it all just like that when it's off duty right you might as well just put some sunglasses on it and a cigarette under it hey what's going on where's the party what's new pussy cat and you new kid in town but that's not going to lure no one in is it well hello looks ill, but nonetheless, <laughs> I'm involved. Right, look at this thing now. It's a house of the future. I hope that houses of the future aren't like this. Look at how Alexander, this machine house, its way it responds to information is too staggered and ridden with unnecessary junctions, sort of full of protocols, like a Jane Austen novel, having a chat with it. It's embarrassing. Good morning and welcome to Xanadu, the house of the future. Good morning, Alexander, and how are you? Good morning, Britain, and welcome. Alexander. Hello. Mum's light. Okay. Lights on. As you wish. Alexander. Yes, Master. Mum's TV. Right away. On. As you wish. Yes, Master. As you wish. Too much small talk with it. You want to relax in your own home. You have to think like, all right, Alexander. Yes, yes I am. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. How could you wank in that house? <laughs> could you uh, put the video on, Alexander? Yes, master. Which video would you like to... No, I'll just stay myself. <laughs> Alexander, could you dispense some tissues from the wall? Yes, master. Are you lonely? Don't let you leave me alone. I'm coping. All right, I don't need you. Bossy robot forever damning me. Right, and I don't like voice-activated technology at the best of times. Right, when you normally encounter it, it's when you have to buy cinema tickets. I don't like doing that, because you have to do a stupid voice. Uh, it goes to, do you want cinema tickets? Say Marble Arch, for example. Uh, Camden. You have to say it in a special idiot voice. Camden. Camden. 
I think you said marble arch. You said marble arch. You said marble Houston. No, not Houston. Just send me a fucking Camden. Farringdon. <laughs> Leave me alone. Plus, that machine is judgmental, right? I've got friends that are northern. They say they don't understand them at all. And I've seen northern people sort of bonding over, oh, I don't understand this, do they? Those machines. Tip machine don't understand. Fucking word we're saying. Could you tell, could we go to a cinema in Camden, please? I think you'd be happier down a mine. Judgmental, <laughs> <laughs> ain't it? My other relationship with technology was as a child. Like, when I was a kid, computers were like a new thing, like the ZX Spectrum, right? And you had to load it off of a cassette, right? And you put the cassette in it, take about ten minutes of it going... Right, it's like sort of 10, 15 years ago, and I feel like I'm saying, I used to live in a windmill. And <laughs> I'd get a bit of coal if I was naughty at Christmas, and it'd be a lash of the cat and straight off to bed. Here, there's a farthing. You've been a good boy. Wouldn't you mind riding the Shetland pony? But I'm not that old. That machine was ridiculous. <laughs> like, you have to listen for, to play the football game, 10 minutes of this, you have to play it with. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Torture sounds like it's trying to fuck you up. <laughs> and at the end of it, you play a game where you're sort of a line or a dot or something. You know what I mean? Or Bruce Lee. Hey, I'm Bruce Lee. You're just like a fucking stick, right? <laughs> and another world popular one was Daily Thompson's Decathlon, right? It was really popular, but it took a lot out of you. To be any good at it, you had to do this sort of technique. We had to go like that to make yourself run faster or swim quicker. And some people developed a technique which I think should have been banned, where they sort of would go into a spasm to play the games. They're like, what are you doing in there? I'm a decathlete. Like my left foot. What are you doing in there, Christy? I'm fucking swimming. Really popular, though. Like, it's early computer technology. Add a teleprogram based around it. Look at these wise guys. He's using more of the spasm technique there. <laughs> so that, I wouldn't do that if I was doing it on telly. I'd just do the traditional tapping, right? But they spend ages learning how to be good at that game for skills that are completely useless in actual life if you actually found yourself caught up in a tide of some kind. Oh, the currents caught me. Oh, no. Thank God for my years of practice. <laughs> the current's too strong. Right, that technique, some of the techniques there, because I was in puberty while I was playing those games, and then there's a crossover from computers to like being interested in girls, and some of them moves did transfer with a little work into the world of dating. <laughs> Don't go into spasm though. <laughs> Are you enjoying this? <laughs> Do you feel we 
erotic. <laughs> of course, now, like, the technological evolution that defines our age is the internet, and, as always, pornography is at the forefront of all technology. It was pornography that begat VHS, it's pornography that made DVD sales staff, and it's pornography that made a success of the internet, right? Because when the internet was founded, it was the military that owned it, right? It started out as about national security, military, national protection, safety. Then universities started to use it. It was about sharing information. Again, no one cared. It was ignored. Then pornography went on it. What? Tits. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's into it now. Right, and although it's democratic and people love the internet, it does provide us with problems. Like, it means that anyone can produce anything and get coverage, right? And in some respects, that's good. But in some other respects, it means that there's no filter or quality control. Look at this, like, shoddy bit of information. This is rhubarb. People have been deprived of seeing quality potty humour in animation since the onset of filmmaking, because Animation especially requires a lot of money, and to require money you need to show your project to some people that will give you the money. And if you show them a big duty coming out of somebody's butt with little chunks of corn on it, they're going to say, no thank you, we're not interested. Good! <laughs> Quality control! Like he's acting like some whistleblower. I'm the only guy telling how it is. We could have pictures of shit out there. Entertainment. Don't just turn up at DreamWorks and say, oh, can you make our film about shit and sweet corn? No, thank you. I don't think there's a market for it. Right? And also, this bloke, he works in animation, and I don't think he should be, because if I worked in animation, I would know about the iconography of animation. I'd know about its history. I'd know about its heroes. I'd know about the key defining characters of animation and the surrounding environs. There's no audience for that, and even if there is, we're afraid of it. We'd rather just do something like Mickey the Mouse, or one of those guys. <laughs> they call Mickey the Mouse. Then we have to just do something about Mickey the Mouse, or Donald that duck, or Scooby Dooby Duck Duck Dooby Doo, or Frankie Flintstone. They're not nothing about cartoons, right? Also, look at this, right? Science had a lot more prominence when we was younger, right? Look at this documentary, how long this was, probably in the 80s. It's a documentary, right? And in a way, I suppose, it's an important thing. It's about this bloke, I think he called Majumba, and what he'd done was he came up with the idea of enforcing concrete with fibreglass, but they've tried to make an hour-long documentary out of it, and they've really had to drag it out. And you think, at the time this was on for one hour, there were only three channels, so that was like 20% of telly that day. Telly was only on from 7 till like 11 o'clock at night, so kids would have had to have gone to school and gone, Oh, well, did you see that thing about the uh, reinforced concrete? Good, wasn't it? No, right? Look at this, it's about this bloke, Majumba. And look at it, they don't even treat it properly, it's really weird. Now, one man here at Garston who decided to tackle that problem once and for all is Dr. Umul Majunda, a cement chemist. Just leave him sat there. Dr. Majumba, there he is. Could I wave? No, sit still. Sorry, sorry about that. Right, and you can see, right, that they've not got enough information to make the documentary an hour long, so they start relaying information in a really complex and unnecessarily diluted fashion. Look at this bit, right, the bit of information they're saying, it's about Majumba, they go, right, Majumba, he started off working one place, then he went somewhere else, then he went somewhere else, then he went somewhere else. Right? That's pretty simple, isn't it? That ain't a complicated idea. Here's Majumda with his fibre, working at the BRE in Garston. 
Here, Pilkington's Research and Development Division at Latham, with whom he has been dealing. This is Pilkington Fiberglass Limited, who had been monitoring Majumda from the outset, but who had done little else. And here, Pilkington Group Headquarters in St. Helens. Well, they got all the trouble of making that doll for, and all them buildings. They all had to go, so they went here, there, there, and there. That's what we don't need to build. And what do those buildings look like? And what does Majumba look like? And then to get Majumba and carry him round by his head <laughs> sends a confusing message. Either we're respecting him as a brilliant chemist or drag him about by his bonds. And it's like a ludicrous narrative, right? Really gets it into your head. Like, oh, that's how important Majumba is, right? We've built this up now. Right, here's the dolly, here's the buildings. Right, I've been watching for an hour. Good, I'm interested in Majumba. So, you know, let's wrap the show up nicely. Tell me, what's Majumba up to now? Don't leave me hanging. Incidentally, Dr Majumda is still a government scientist at the building research establishment, working on something else. All right, yeah. <laughs> something else. Brilliant. Ask him! Ask him why it is he's in that office! Just going, oi, mate, what are you doing now? Oh, well, you know, I'm Bill, just reinforcing something else with father. Good, fair enough. Not a very good conclusion. That is why we went to the trouble of tracking down Dr Majumba. And respectfully, I would like you to welcome this brilliant chemist. Please welcome Dr Majumba. Here he is, everyone. <laughs> um, excuse me, excuse me, Majumba. What was that thing that you was working on that they didn't tell us at the end of the programme? They said you was working on something else. What was that thing? Tell me. What? <laughs> you were developing 50p's that were dead tiny to make your willy look bigger? You have betrayed me! Get in the garden! I'm gonna have a break now and unwind! Pondering science, right? For example, chip and pin, right? You know we have to do chip and pin now. Oh, chip and pin, would you like to chip and pin? Right, you don't sign for something no more. It's created a new social problem, right? Because you have to put your card in and then type out your pin number in front of a person, a shopkeeper, or as the machine calls it, merchant, right? You have to type out in front of that person. It creates an awkward moment where the shopkeeper sort of thinks, oh, I better not look at the pin number. Because as you know, you must never tell anyone your pin number. The bank says, never tell anyone your pin number. Even if you love them very much, what if the relationship goes wrong? Then they'll know your pin number forever. They could use it against you. Right? And all that's going on in the drama. In that moment, you're holding the machine. Oh, chip and pin, chip and pin. The shopkeeper's standing there and a new protocol has developed, right? Often, what they'll do is, at the moment you're about to type in your PIN number, they'll sort of look away like that. They'll do sort of a look away. But sometimes it's really arch and dramatic, like a Duran Duran video. Well, boys, well, boys. Thank God you didn't see my PIN number. Look at this, right? We've done some research. We've got some evidence about it, right? And look at this. It does happen, the chip and pin. This here is the classic turn away when you use the chip and pin. Look, turning away. This bloke pretends that he's using bits of paper. There's nothing on those pieces of paper. This woman hides under a desk rather than see a pin up. And this woman's developed a box. Look at that. She's put it in a little rabbit hutch. It's in a little windy house. 
she can't trust herself, I don't think. I will. I'll just look at the pin numbers. I can't help myself. I just love Robin. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. But pin numbers on their own are worthless, right? Do you want to know my pin number? Have it. 7263. That's my pin number. It's worthless on its own. You can't just wander into Argos and go, um, I'll have that barbecue, please, and that settee. 7263. Thank you very much. <laughs> On its own, in the age of science, we take things for granted that we never would have done in the olden days. They would have been a pure miracle. May seem a little bizarre, vacuuming someone's head, but it's collecting something we're all worried about, dandruff. It may only be the shedding of skin from the scalp, but an anti-dandruff shampoo will be a bonanza for the manufacturer who comes up with it. Well, be a bonanza? an exaggerated word. When one day we invent athletes' foot powder, it'll be a Mardi Gras. People will be fucked in the streets. Hey, suck my toes. They're clean as a whistle. Like, when you speculate on the future as a child, remember when the year 2000 seemed like a baffling dream when we'd ponder World Cups coming up and how old we'd be. They thought, oh, no, right? Kids, you think of them as being all romantic and lovely, and how would they envisage the future? Oh, it'll be glorious, or it'll be a utopia where kids was in charge. Bastards they are, little children. Listen to these children being spoke to about how to deal with overpopulation if ever happens. Oh, what solutions will their magical minds come up with? We could live on the moon. We could live under the sea. We'll just cuddle each other, I suppose. Look at them, the little arseholes. In time to come, there'd be an age limit. And after that, if you passed the age limit, you were exterminated. <laughs> oh, you little treasure. <laughs> Right, but let's not judge them kids, because they're all right, they're pure, we're all God's children after all. There must be a moral, ethical reasoning behind this seemingly mindless culling of human beings. Up to number one. Toothache. Imperfect equals death pill. Off to the death yard. Off to the death yard. If you live in that Orwellian hell, and you've got a toothache, just shout about it. <laughs> Don't go and tell the death squad, I've got a toothache! They were just, oh well, to the death yard. And he took the death pill, bless him, and he went, thank you for the death <laughs> Right, and look, also, right, that ain't the kind of world that I want to live in, but look at some of these daft, half-arse predictions here. And do you remember how caught up we got in the millennium bug scaremongering that went on about there will be a millennium bug planes will fall out of the sky because they will think it's 1900 when the clock goes all the way around plane ain't gonna just go oh my word it's 1900 i've not been invented yet <laughs> down i go <laughs> <There's laughs> look at this bit of scaremongering about the millennium bug I never heard such inconsequential witterings in all my days. Marks and Spencer almost destroyed a consignment of corned beef when their computer system mistakenly told them that the tins were decades old. What? Fucking hell! <laughs> almost! It didn't even... If that actually happened, if it was going, uh, Marks and Spencer's actually destroyed some perfectly good corned beef, I'd go, I don't give a fuck, mate. <laughs> even happen and like, people are 
all scared of technology as well, ain't they? Think, oh no, technology will destroy us all. But why are we worried? Because I think, I personally have always been proper nice to robots, and I think that we, the human beings, universally have been jolly kind and decent to our little robot pals. It can be programmed to do all sorts of tasks, but it is no more than a one-armed cripple. Blind, deaf and dumb. This machine is essentially a little prick. It smells, I think it might be some sort of Nancy boy, hanging around in heaps and bushes, cottaging. <laughs> what is having a guy that robot for us trying its hardest? Right? So, yeah, what have we learned from pondering science? Well, I think it's this, that ultimately we externalise things that we had internally, like telepathy, we now need telephones. The ability to transport ourselves, I reckon we could do that with our brain boxes in the good old days. But now, we sort of all live on this house of cards. Society will fall apart. If science is, were to betray us, we'd all be doomed. What if the robots do turn against us? What if, like, cash points didn't work? If electricity stopped working for a day, I think we'd all be, like, in the streets, eating and fucking each other. And it'd be all right for an hour, but what after that? You wouldn't know who to eat and who to fuck. It'd be chaos. Thankfully, however, we've got Robert Powell. Robert Powell, in my mind, is a wizard of indisputable confidence. He understands science and all his possibilities, and he's going to talk to us for a moment now. But watch this bit of Robert Powell giving some information in the most arrogant and unnecessary way to communicate some ideas to us. Watch Robert Powell. Don't question him. Scientists now claim that every time you make a decision, you get up, you stay in bed, pizza, hamburger, Indian, Chinese takeaway, you actually choose them all. <laughs> Spin on that. <laughs> Who are these scientists? Scientists say, I'm not gonna tell you their names, it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> Scientists, that's all you need to know. They say in the future, whatever you decide to do, lay in bed. Like, now why is it such a depressing future? Lay in bed, get up. It's like you don't care about nothing. You're not 12, like a 13-year-old boy. Whatever I want to do, go out on my bike, sniff some glue, maybe throw some stones at ducks in the park. You actually do all of those things. Fuck you. Good night. <laughs>